Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. So subscribe wherever you found us. I also like to remind you that our podcast host, Podiant, is offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium services and 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. All you got to do is go to Podiant, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O, and sign up using the offer code Longhorn. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by my good friend, 31 Savage himself, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you, man? Um, while I uh, fit the age description, I, I am a uh, Texan, always been a Texan. There will be no no curveballs coming out of me here. But the takes, the takes will be savage. Um, I, you know, I, I just want to start right off in saying I uh, I'm happier than... Malcolm Brown, um, either one, um, uh, today. I just, uh, I am in a, I'm in a good mood, Gerald. I know, um, this, you know, is, is a wonderful podcast where we come together and share the high point of our week. Technical difficulties aside, and I'm excited because today is going to be a fantastic show. It really is. I know the technical difficulties that nobody knows about are super frustrating for us podcast hosts, but we're going to make it work. We got some great stuff for you this week. I am somewhere between Little Malcolm and Big Malcolm happy today. One's happy he got to play or go to a Super Bowl. One's happy he won, but we'll probably not talk about that past this point. Uh, Texas basketball had an up and down week which is fun, so they did a really dumb thing and they did really another dumb thing, and they're both different kinds of dumb. We'll talk about that. Uh, And then we're going to do the... The only way I could describe it, Kyle, is is mythic. Mythic seems like the right way to describe this. So we got some requests using the replies of Texas hashtag. So finally, we're going to grab... The Rick Barnes draft, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We did a uh, top 10 or all Mac Brown team back during football season. So we're going to switch it up to keep the content fresh. We'll have a Rick Barnes draft. We'll draft five Rick Barnes players on our all-time team. And then obviously we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. Like uh, Like a Baratheon with blonde hair, like Bigfoot being seen in the summer in the South and like a woman who is both beautiful, smart, and can cook. Just kidding. That's my fiance, Drew. This mythical thing is finally coming to roost. I'm excited for this. This is, uh, this is going to be the, this is the part that I think in the show is going to be the most fun. We're going to have to talk about some stuff that's like not that fun, Uh, but we'll get through it because the light at the end of the tunnel um, for a nice little nostalgia trip, which is always fun as Texas fans. Get ready for some absolutely ridiculous takes from your two favorite podcast hosts. Uh, but let's jump in. So we said last week, after a disappointing loss, another disappointing loss, that the Texas Longhorns would go do something stupid like beat Kansas. And so they did something stupid and beat Kansas by 10 points at home. They snapped a 10-game losing streak to the Jayhawks. And it was kind of like, oh, is this the turning point? In the season, come to find out it was not, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But let's camp out at Kansas for just a moment. Kyle, what did Texas do to come away with a pretty unexpected win? Well, um, <laughs> it was a home game. First of all, Texas is a absolutely bipolar team on the home in a, in a way splits. Um, but a, a game in in the drum. Uh, which is a good thing, and just Texas did the most powerful human emotion I'm convinced at this point is spite, and so out of spite, uh, Texas just went ahead and spite won this game because everyone had written all their articles about Fire Shaka and this uh, team's washed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and because that was the narrative, they had to go and spite win this, and obviously they did it uh, with with the two lightning rods for uh, for criticism. Um, Dylan Oskowski and, and Kerwin Roach um, both having having solid games. Um, I'll say Roach's was a bit uneven. He had 15 points, uh, but 3 of 13 shooting and, and a late turnover that could have, you know, really swung if we didn't 
didn't salvage it, could have thrown the game away, literally. Um, but, you know, the, those two guys, the senior, seniors ultimately led um, throughout the game, came up when they needed it, uh, made big shots. Uh, Jace Febris, also fantastically clutch, um, shooting lights out uh, in this one, as he's done most of this year. Um, so really just, you know, getting 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 contributions from the guys that they need to get them from night in, night out. This was one of the nights in. Um, and also playing that good team defense that, that Shaka has been known for. Yeah, I think Texas played its most complete game of the season in every phase of the game. And and that, to me, is is the secret of the success. Uh, they played defense like it was the first few games of the season and offense like it was the last few games of the season. Um, <laughs> Dylan O had his best game of the last two years, maybe, is what it felt like watching him play. He hit all of those open shots from the paint that he was just weirdly bricking for the previous few games. And that's, I think that's the, the struggle and the tension I have with this team is like when Shaka is able to do whatever he does, when they play like this, they, they look like a sweet 16 team. Like they look like a team that can make a deep run in the tournament. And then they do things like they did against Iowa state. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But like, Febres played his best game of the year. Dylan Sikowski played his best game of the year. Ramey played a a great game. It wasn't like an incredible game, but he, he contributed what he needed to. Jackson Hayes managed to stay out of foul trouble for the first time uh, in Big 12 play, which was definitely helpful. He has not got his money's worth on any foul all year. I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> that, but he had 13 and 9 on the on the season or on the on the game like when you get three starters in double digits you're supposed to win games. Febres chipped 12 off the bench. They just they just did what they needed to, you know. Points off turnover, second chance points. They really did a good job in the press. They kind of looked like a shock of smart basketball team for a lot of that game. If you take two things about this team and just extrapolate them, it absolutely seems like a sweet 16 team. The, the wins that we've talked about it, that Texas has had, this one being included over some of Ken Palm's best teams in the country, that Purdue win is looking better and better uh, every week. Um, obviously, Kansas is a big win. North Carolina, uh, a huge one. If you take those signature wins. And then you take the fact that Texas shot 21 for 23 from the line, 91% and, and just absolute ice in their veins down the stretch to steal this one. Um, you take those two factors, which Texas teams have not always had the latter, that, that free throwing uh, excellence. Uh, we may get to that in our, our Rick Barnes draft, but um, they have not always shown that in no matter who the coach was. Um, and, and, that's really a key. That's a senior leadership. That's a um, a commitment to doing the the little things that you need to do, and and it's it's pretty fantastic. But then you kind of throw in the the boneheaded plays that we'll talk about, and and it's it, you know it's it's hard to figure this team out. It's what we've we've been saying for for you know perpetuity. It seems like if we could play the tournament uh, in in the Irwin Center, this could probably be a Sweet Sixteen because Texas, with this win, improved to six and one at home in the last seven under Shaka against top twenty teams. I'll say that again: Shaka at home, six and one against top twenty teams. That's very, very, very good. Um, it's that it's that dang road and neutral site where they don't let you play all uh, all rounds of the tournament in your in your home home arena. So I think that begs the question, how does how does Shaka Smart get this team up for, one, games at home against non-ranked teams, and how does he get this team to perform at all on the road? Now, Texas went into Ames, Iowa, one of the toughest places to play in the conference. I think every place in the conference is a tough spot to play. And Iowa State is an incredible basketball team. With the win over Texas, 65-60 to 60 became the first team in the conference to win six games. So they are a good squad. But coming off of a win over Kansas, a five-point loss to Iowa State just seems lackluster. Well, in, in uh, you know, I kind of sarcastically said that they were going to just spite us and win both of these games. If they would have done that, uh, that would be a narrative change of a season. I mean, that that might just be the type of momentum 
that you go on in February that propels you to a to a March type of of, of run. I think um, this might be the year. I don't know. Fingers crossed that Iowa State actually knocks Kansas off their perch atop the Big Twelve. I would have loved for Texas to be the team to do that, but I'd also just love to see anyone but. KU win and Iowa State is very good and I think that should give some solace because I mean there's Hilton Magic right it's it's one of the toughest places to play in the country um, Kansas in, in fact went up there and lost by 16 in Ames so I mean it's it's a tough tough venue and it's a tough team Ken Palm has them uh, as the top team in the conference ahead of both Tech and, and Kansas if moral victories are in fact one of the criteria for making the tournament then Texas has that covered um, you know they they just they aren't winning all of the close games four and eight in, in games decided by six is not going to cut it. You know, you have to have, we just talked about, Hey, they shoot good free throws. They have seniors who are contributing. Those things should not equate to that stat. So there's something in their game and I don't know how to uncover it. And I'm sure Shaka smart is desperately trying to find that out that you just need to rewrite that one piece of buggy code and would fix this into all the pieces that are there for a really, really legit team. Again, I'm not overblowing this loss. I think it's a, a valiant effort, but man, it would have been great to get that, especially off of the momentum of the Kansas win. Well, and I think when, if I tell you before this game that Texas scores 28 points in the paint, I think Texas wins by a couple of possessions. Like, Texas is able to score base 28 points in the paint and 11 second chance points. Like that to me is a Texas win. And the fact that they, some of the three point attempts toward the end of the game, that last possession was kind of a nightmare. Like I didn't know what was going on. And I think that's been my biggest frustration with Shaka smart uh, in the last several weeks is like, what on God's green earth is this team doing on the final few possessions of a game? Like the clock management, not there. The yeah. the ability to know what to do when you're down four with one possession left on the clock. Like the fact that these guys don't know what to do that with nine games left in the regular season is inexcusable. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to stomach, especially because like I said, there's a lot of experience on this team. You can't chalk it up to a team full of freshmen who are coming together who haven't played. I mean, there, there's a lot of of experience on this team. I mean, they were within one point. With, with under 90 seconds to play. That's that's a scenario that you practice. You, you practice. It's like a two-minute drill in football. You practice closing out a game. You practice, you know, how to scramble off of uh, off of turnovers or missed shots when when you have to ratchet up the intensity and, and you have two possessions maybe left in the game. Um, again, it's tough because one of the things you want to see in late games is hitting your free throws. This is the second game, and I don't – have this stat, but this might be the only time in school history, at least in recent vintage, that they shot greater than 90% with at least double-digit attempts in back-to-back games. That's one of those things that you're like, oh, they do have the capacity for mental fortitude, but you look at the the game they should have, you know, could have, probably should have won uh, against Kansas in in Lawrence, and then you look at this game and you kind of see two examples where, wow, that really would have been something if they get both of those, um, or even one of those. <sighs> I don't. I, I. I truly don't know what it was. Kerwin Roach has had some boneheaded plays at the end of games, but Kerwin Roach also had 19 points in this game and played really gutty through an injury in the end and hit some big shots. So it's it's a hot and cold type situation, and that might just be what you get with this team with your two senior leaders and your probably two. I, I won't say best players necessarily, but at least your two kind of biggest names and guys who touch the ball the most, um, Osikowski and and Roach, are are hot and cold and, and, and oftentimes not at the same time. I mean, this, this box score, like, it just reads like a game that Texas should have won. Like, if you, again, before this game, if you tell me that, that Snoop scores 19, Coleman scores 13, and goes 5-3 and three on assists to turnover, which is a good game for him, and Jackson Hayes goes 10-8, and eight, I'm like, oh, Texas probably wins that game. Uh, but the rest of the team didn't really do anything to contribute, and it's hard to, like, Dylan O was the bad Dylan O. In a lot of ways, he had some really, I mean, when Texas was up or trying to trying to kind of close it out, there were a couple of spots where I was like, if he boxes a guy out, this is a different possession. This is a different ball game, and Texas is able to win. Uh, you know, Fabres did the exact opposite of what he did against Kansas and had yeah. one of his, just, just a nightmare game from him. Like, there's no other way to describe it. One of four, three points. He did have three rebounds, turned the ball over twice, though, which is, again, 
And I think this is this is a telling stat, and I haven't done the breakdown of it. But I want to. I'm curious. The last time this team has had zero fast break points, I I want to do that research. Yeah, and 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 you wonder if there's any intentionality because, I mean, that's got to be somewhat by design, and that's a calculated risk. I mean, Iowa State was the highest scoring team in the Big Twelve uh, this year, and Texas held them 11 points under their average. I mean that. There's something good about that, right? But in doing so, if they slowed the game down to a pace that didn't allow them to exploit some of their athleticism, which, you know, you got to get some of those baskets. You got to get, you know, uh, a running jack. You know, I still remember at the end of the, the Kansas game when Jackson Hayes hit the brakes and let him fly right by. He top gunned him for a dunk that kind of sealed the game. You know, you get Kerwin Roach doing some of the things that literally no other player in the country can do. He just, like, Vince Carter dunks over people at times. When you take that out of the game, it's a little bit tough for this Texas offense to find what they can find. And again, you saw it after Roach picked up that little injury. He couldn't get in the paint quite as regularly as he was, and it kind of felt like the offense lacked that one more spark. Yeah, and I think this is the team that's not built to be the slow-down half-court offense. They're just not. Shaka Smart built this team to be a Shaka Smart team, and so they don't and this is one of those weird things like they don't necessarily have an identity that they can stick to and win. Like that's when you know good coaching and, and a good team is when you can win when you stick to your identity. Well, and the things that's a little bit frustrating is in Kansas game, which, you know, Kansas is without their big man. So Texas has taken advantage of that each time they've played them. But the last time when they beat them, they played an inside out game where they had Dylan O taking a smaller defender into the post and then he kicked it out, had his season high in assist um, that game. Actually had a couple more that he could have had where he kicked out some good looks. Um, but they played that and it kind of seemed like, oh, okay, this is a new formula. Well, they tried that against Iowa State and then Iowa State said, your shooters aren't good enough to beat us. So they just kept doubling Dylan O down low and and we couldn't couldn't hurt them because, again, there isn't really necessarily an identity that's practiced and drilled into these guys. So when you try to kind of find a new identity on the fly, well, hey, one of those things is contingent on being a team of knockdown shooters, which, again, when they're on, this team has the capacity to be. Jace Febris, when he's on, is a, one of the deadliest shooters in the Big 12. But there is an if factor with this Texas team. And I think that's that was one of the things that we were excited about going into the season. And that's why I'm frustrated at this point. Is like, Texas adds an Eli Mitru Long who can, who can shoot. You know, Jace Febres was supposed to take a step and become a legitimate outside threat. You know, you got guys like Hepa who's supposed to be, a, you know, an inside-out big man that can also shoot. So, like, I don't... It's just upsetting to me that this team has still not been able to just figure out what it wants to be and be that at its highest level. Well, and it's also not the uh, necessarily the best time to do that because they are playing, uh, going off of what I think is maybe the, the best team in the Big 12 or the hottest, or maybe the overall best team in the Big 12 in Iowa State. They take on the hottest team uh, tomorrow or Wednesday. You'll be listening to this on Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, 2-6, um, they take on Baylor, who is six in a row, win streak, and just uh, scintillating right now. They just beat TCU 90-64, to um, including their shooter, Makai Mason, hanging 40, the German Steph Curry. Um, he is just uh, not the time you want to see Baylor, who finally seems to be getting something together. So you hope that Texas um, can can right the ship, um, again, being being uh, back home in the, the friendly confines, that, that maybe that, uh, that does something a little bit better. But, you know, it's a dangerous one. It's a game that has a potential for momentum implications. So I, I'm watching with bated breath to see how that goes. Thankfully, it's a home game, so maybe that'll be something, but the fans have to show up. You can get a ticket right now for $7. So you have, if you're in Austin and you have $10 in your pocket, you can go to the Texas basketball game, buy a cheap seat, and end up in the back of the players' pockets, basically, because <laughs> nobody shows up to these games. Uh, buy a cheap ticket and walk down to the lower bowl because you can do that. Nobody cares. Uh, but do it. You can go with the 10 spot and get popcorn and walk out with change because thanks to the fan-friendly pricing. Uh, so let's go back to maybe a happier time in Texas basketball, at least for most of it. Um, so again, like we mentioned off the top of the show, we did a Mac Brown retrospective when he was hired at North Carolina, and we want to look back at, at what Texas football was under Mac Brown, which for the vast majority of his tenure 
really good. And so now we're going to do the same thing. We got some requests via Twitter using the hashtag replies of Texas to do a little bit of a Rick Barnes retrospective. Now, we're going to do this a little bit differently for the sake of time and structure because Kyle and I like structure and order in all things. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a draft. We're going to do a draft of the top players of the Rick Barnes era. So Kyle will go first. He will select a player. There are very few parameters, and we're kind of building the uh, airplane mid-flight on this, but we'll try to stick to three guards and two front court. But you know what? We may just do whatever the heck we want and come up with the rules as we go. And that's the fun of it. So Kyle, with your number one pick of the Rick Barnes era, who are you going to take? Let me start with a bit of a preamble. Rick Barnes came to Texas and immediately took Texas to the tournament. Rick Barnes made the tournament every year he was here for 16 years except for one. Um, Rick Barnes, you know, put up almost a 70, just a hair under 70% win percentage in his time here, averaging almost 24 victories per year, including 13 straight 21, uh, 20-win seasons, which is certainly uh, a record at UT. He had a run uh, in the the very middle, mid to late aughts of Elite Eight, um, round of 32, and then Elite Eight. Um, I mean, just changed a bit of the culture of Texas basketball, set these expectations. For our young listeners who may be at UT now and only know the Shaka era and wonder why the expectations are high for a product that isn't, it's because of Rick Barnes. And I think Rick Barnes, as many know, is now coaching the number one ranked UT basketball team. That's that's the the other UT, the University of Tennessee. I think it's lowercase or something. But um, so there is there is a well of talent to choose from here. But since Gerald told me I had the first pick, there is no uh, controversy about who that will be. Um, I also feel no shame that I said controversy. Um, but the, the number one pick here has to be always and forever. No, no jokes with the start of it. Kevin Durant. I mean, you look at one of the, the absolute greatest single season wonders, not just in UT history, but in, in basketball, you look at Kevin Durant being, you know, maybe still the best scorer in basketball, any level, anywhere in the world right now. Um, the things he's done, the notoriety he's brought to this program, obviously the clout that they still have with him in recruiting because recruits see him playing um, in the NBA and and a multiple-time uh, MVP and um, kind of all-NBA player. Had a 26-11 and 11 season when he was here. First true freshman ever to win the Wooden Award to the nation's best player. Um it was a little disappointing in the 2007 season. I was on campus for that. I said, I should get to the disappointment first. It was, it was absolutely invigorating. Um, the Irwin center would be full. I still remember the game against, um, absolute, you know, garbage in comparison, but for their program, very good. AC law, the fourth, um, who on his day could play like Superman, but come on, it was Kevin Durant going into multiple overtime games. Um, and Durant just matching him shot for shot, the Oklahoma state game where he was absolutely unstoppable. I mean, there's just memories that come with Kevin Durant. Sadly, that didn't equate to tournament success. I think it was OJ Mayo on that USC team. Um, which is why I've always had some, some difficulty rooting for, uh, OJ Mayo. And he seems like an all right guy. Um, he knocked us out. So it didn't that the only reason you could argue why he's not number one is that he didn't have that success. But just for the clout that he gives to the program, the players wear KD shoes. I mean, it's got to be Kevin Durant. So it wasn't just OJ Mayo that knocked Texas out. The guy that was picked before Kevin Durant, Gregory Oden, was also on that team. Uh, so my number one pick, and this is probably going to be a. Uh, controversial statement, but I think without this man, there is no Kevin Durant on the 40 acres. The man from Willow Ridge High School in Houston, Texas, Terrence Gerard Ford, the only basketball player at the time to have his jersey retired, just the fourth player in school history to earn that honor. Naismith Player of the Year, John Wooden Player of the Year, Sporting News Player of the Year, Consensus First Team All-American. Uh, the, the list of accolades goes on and on and on. And again, this is a 
could be a controversial statement for all of the, the young heads out there, but without TJ Ford really putting Texas basketball on the map, I don't think Kevin Durant ends up in Austin. And I don't think there's any, any equivocation, at least from anybody that was watching Texas basketball at a cognizant level at that point. Yeah, you're going to get no argument here. It was a tough one not to put TJ Ford. I mean, the, the final four run, even in that game that they didn't win, he put up a double-double. Um, his assist numbers, just overall assists because he played so deep in the tournament, is still one of the highest all-time single season. He also averaged, you know, over 15 a game through his career. He could do it all. I think it. I think it's. I think it's sad that he didn't have the NBA career that Durant could have had. He had some injuries that derailed him. I actually. Um, again, I've said on this podcast, I covered the Spurs and I covered the Spurs while TJ Ford actually came to the Spurs still kind of at the couple injuries, but in the, in the prime of still had some prime left in his career and unfortunately had like a, a really, um, kind of crazy, uh, brain, uh, head injury type, uh, thing that ended his career, um, that, that, you know, Again, I don't know if it was just one injury that he had poor luck throughout, but he really should have had a better NBA career when he was healthy. He was good at that level, very good even at times, and uh, he doesn't maybe get the recognition and the legacy that Kevin Durant gets as an all-time great. But again, without him, there is no there is no KD, there is no Shaka Smart, there is no outsized expectations. He kind of rescued the program from a mid-tier abyss um, to you know putting him on on the elite level. The the only other player, and you said this, and I thought almost cheekily that you were going to take my next pick. The player who put Texas on the map at all, who brought relevance back into Austin, even before TJ Ford, this player, obviously the best true big in the history of Texas. Gerald knows who I'm going with. It was hard not to take this guy number one, a dancing sensation, a low post nightmare, a man with a head of hair that I don't even know, uh, let's say Ryan Gosling would kill for. <sighs> My number two pick is Chris Mim. Oh, that's right. And, you need no and, argument for me. <laughs> and, you know, he was here, it's been a while. He came right at the beginning of kind of the, the Rick Barnes era. Um, he was here 98 to 2000. Um, again, I, I don't joke when I say probably our best true big. Um, an All-American, uh, still the, the leader, the UT leader in blocks and rebounds, and that may never be broken because to be that good and to play for multiple years doesn't happen anymore, as evidenced by the, the, the run of Shaka's one and dones, um, which is a, a unique challenge in its own. But Chris Mim, a true seven-footer, um, a true guy who actually brought kind of a um, a, a certain panache and, and, and um, kind of cultural clout to Texas as a basketball school. It had been years. It had really been like 20 or 30 years since they had any real relevance in that arena. So I, 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 I was so excited that Chris Mim was sitting there for me at number two spot. Thought he might have gone number one overall. There was no way I was not taking TJ Ford. I honestly thought you were taking TJ Ford number one, and I assumed I would get Kevin Durant at number two. Uh, so, yeah, you're not going to get ar- any argument from me. Uh, Chris Mim is, is, is that guy who you always love to have when you go out, but nobody ever remembers his name. Like Chris Mim is like, he's like, he's Kevin's friend, right? He's the guy who comes with Kevin all the time. He's so much fun. Like that's who Chris Mim is to Texas basketball. And like, he's just, he's just the guy who kind of set the stage for everything that happened in the Rick Barnes era, uh, moving forward. So I'll just go ahead and take the other guy, uh, from the Kevin Durant era that we're going to call it that without Kevin Durant, it'd have been this guy's era, uh, with my second pick, I'm going to just fill up my guard spots really quick. Mr. Daryl Gerard, DJ Augustine Jr. That one, it's it's hard to, um, as a guy who was on campus for, for his two seasons, people forget how electric it was watching this guy play. Mm-hmm. He was the baby-faced assassin, I think I've called him on uh, radio shows in Austin and on the television. Uh, he, would, he was just a guy that you could depend on. Um, he was a 15 point a game guy. He would dish out like seven assists. Um, all, you know, Big 12 all rookie team his his rookie year. Uh, could have gone and participated in the draft combine pieces with Kevin Durant uh, for the 2006 2007 following that season. That was a again a moderately disappointing season. Uh, he decided to come back for another uh, year. 
had another great year for the Texas. Um, he was for the Texas Longhorns. He actually, this is uh, a little known fact about him, managed a four zero in his uh, his wow. fall two thousand seven semester. Uh, one of just two players to earn the uh, academic All American uh, by Cosita as a as a Texas Longhorn basketball player, which is um, an interesting factoid. But he was just a guy who, man, like. It was fun watching him and KD on the court. And then when Kevin Durant left and it became his team, he, he stepped into that role and became um, the guy. And and really, you know, there was an obvious drop off when Kevin Durant left. But watching him kind of step into a leadership role and become the kind of the man on campus was good to watch. And, and you know, his story, if you don't know, he was displaced by Hurricane Katrina, ended up um, in Missouri City, played there for a year uh, and then ended up in Austin wasn't a you know he was he was a, a lottery guy the ninth pick by the Charlotte Bobcats uh, was all, all the second team all rookie teams so he, he was just he was kind of just the dude for a while from Texas um, and, and it was fun to watch yeah you're you're going heavy on the guards but that's an incredible backcourt um, people forget DJ August was actually six foot but because he wore uh, capri pants he actually looked like he was five six he was a six foot guard he just wore pants that, that touched the tops of his shoelaces Love but, the long shorts <laughs> but uh yeah he could he could really do it all man and, and uh, as much as I hate to say it that Durant team if he comes back would have been um absolutely legendary um and it hurts me that obviously Kevin Durant did what he had to do but it hurts me that he he didn't but what it did allow um was to see just how good DJ Augustine um was you know averaging like 20 points that season and and taking uh, them to an elite uh eight um and and having 31 points in that win really having a a showing out and and kind of cementing himself as an all-time Longhorn so I think that's a fantastic uh pick but what you did unfortunately is you allowed me to go old school, big man, um, don't worry about spacing, just worry about pounding them inside. And I'm torn right here because I think everyone knows in a similar vein, um, you know, I'm now with my third big on the team. Let me just announce it. I have Kevin Durant, I have Chris Mammon joining him with my third pick is LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge's two seasons on campus, he averaged a double-double. He averaged, you know, 15-plus and 10-plus. He also, you know, had the game in the Sweet 16 um, against West Virginia where he put up 26 and 13. And people were like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe he's not just, like, All-American good. Maybe he's, like, actually lottery pick good and this isn't the first time people thought that but it definitely secured it um and and maybe he's like you know all nba good and then obviously um lamarcus has gone on to one of the best careers um of a longhorn in the nba i think obviously durant um right now holds that but but you know aldridge is a very close second a multiple all nba guy actually just got announced as an all-star uh very much deservedly so um you know, is in the 50 point club, um, you know, in the NBA, he just has had his career has been even better in the NBA. And you can't say that for all of these guys. We've had guys who were just dominant on the 40 acres and then maybe it didn't translate quite as well to the 40 acres, but Aldridge is actually a player who's gotten better every year. Um, he, he loves San Antonio, um, which makes him near and dear to my heart. So I'm I'm just going in and banging with I think I mean I think two of the best players that could make an All NBA team today in Durant and Aldridge and throwing Chris Mim in for good measure. Um, and this has basically now become the Monstars. You're gonna have to take a guard with your next two picks, Kyle. I'm saying it right now. I'm dictating it. We said we were gonna try to have rules to this thing, and you are subverting the rules. But I there's some guards left. left. You- I left you LaMarcus Aldridge because I wanted you to, to be able to live in that world for just a moment, Kyle. Uh, because you and I like to live in the world where LaMarcus Aldridge plays four years and he and Kevin Durant play on the same court for a year. That would have, <sighs> come on, Jesus, that would have been something. That would have been a, something to see. So I, I'm going to stick with my guard theme. I'm going to pick another guard. I'm going to I'm going to let I'm going to take the last guard I want because now Kyle can't take a big man. So I've got I can just let that sit, let that rest. Uh, so with my third pick, my third guard, arguably one of the best defensive players to ever play at the University of Texas, Royale T. 
Ivy, the pride of Harlem, New York, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, this is another one that I think people that that have recently come on to you know Texas basketball in the last six or seven years. Um, Royale Ivy didn't have the star-studded, crazy big NBA career that a lot of guys want to, uh, but Royale Ivy is without a doubt such an impact player in that period of time uh, for the University of Texas. Like incredible defender, great team guy. Like when you talk about guys that you can build a program around from a moral and from a kind of character perspective, like Royale Ivy is that dude. Uh, I loved watching him play. He was kind of that combo, you know, one guard, two guard kind of situation. Um, ended his career in the NBA playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which really felt good since I live in OKC now. Mm-hmm. Uh, served as an assistant for the Thunder for two seasons and now is an assistant coach for his hometown, New York Knicks. So, like, that's just a cool story in and of itself. And and seeing Royale Ivy still on the board in what is this round, round four, I just kind of had to. Yeah, that's a great pick. That's a value pick. That's a true... Texas pick. I mean, if you are a national analyst who who's looking at the Texas alums, you might skip Royal Ivy, and that would be at your own peril. A guy who has often overlooked um, his whole career and, and made people pay for it. Uh, one of the best defenders, just I've ever seen. Even did it in the NBA. I mean, I love KD. Kind of saying you're with me. Come to come to OKC. Uh, I didn't mean to rhyme all that, but I love it. Um, just just an all time like favorite like that's a that's a good pick because he's good but it's a good pick because you can never go wrong with having royal ivy anywhere near anywhere near your 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 group um again i would i'm gonna post the heck out of your team um so so you know get ready for that but but nonetheless a uh, a fantastic pick um because you you've you've mandated that i have to take a a guard um you know <laughs> it's funny that you said there was no good guards left because i got two that i say that i said i didn't i said no such thing okay because i got two that i'm I'm going against here and it's just a matter of what order i in fact have three um what order i pick these um but just to make sure you don't try any kind of sneaky funny business um, yeah yeah i'm gonna go ahead and make sure i get my point guard and a guy who you know in his mind could take TJ Ford, uh, maybe not off the dribble, but it just in his slow finesse clutch level of game. Um, and he would also be one to tell you that he averaged more points in the season than TJ Ford ever managed. Cause he's like that Port Arthur, Texas represented till he said, I'm talking about none other than Jacobin Brown. That's right. My bracket, the best I ever did. Don't even roll your eyes. That's a great pick. This is a value pick at this point. He's a, he's an all timer. Jacobin Brown, the, the namesake of most of my NCAA brackets, Jacovenant. Um, the dude was a winner. In a time when Texas needed a winner, he put the team on his back, though. Um, we talked earlier on the pod about Longhorns making free throws. He played on teams in which the rest of the team shot like a combined 6% from the line. They were the worst free throw shooting team I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Tristan Thompson, etc., etc. Um Coven Brown couldn't miss. I think he was like 1,000 for 1,001 in his career. He was very, very good. Averaged 20 points a game in the season. Stepped it up in the tournament. Hit big shots whenever they needed it. He was the perfect point guard for a team that, um, you know, may have been a little underrated. May have needed that toughness, that little chip on their shoulder and he got them there. Jacobin Brown would be my point guard. If you're not getting TJ Ford any day, I don't care if you're doing a Texas draft or not. Give me that dude in a, in a, in a five aside. And I feel like I got a good chance to win. It doesn't hurt again that he's, uh, he's, he's getting one-on-one coverage without a doubt. Cause he's got the, he's got KD, Chris, maybe LaMarcus in there, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I love as, as much as I think Royal Ivy, Royal Ivy is, is a great dude for Texas fans to Brown, being there kind of as I graduated and then watching um, afterwards as well, uh, just as a dude who will always have a piece of my heart. I love him and he's on my team. You mean Kazakhstan league champion, Jacobin <laughs> Brown. <laughs> That's right. That is absolutely right. Dude's a winner. 
He's a winner. No, like wa- watching that dude shoot was like watching somebody throw the ball into the ocean. Like it was just impossible for him to miss. Like that's not a bad pick at all. Uh, it was kind of out of left field. There's some other guys that I thought you were going to take. Uh, but so I guess now it's time for me to take a big man because uh, I have three guards and a guy that I love to watch. And I feel like I'm kind of staying just in the era where I was in school. Um, Damian James is a guy that I really appreciated watching. He was like that that underrated guy, um, overshadowed really by KD and DJ Augustine in that in that season. But like his sophomore year, he averaged a double double. Like his sophomore season, he averaged a double double and was a thirty five game. He started seventy games over two seasons: his uh, junior and senior, his uh, sophomore and junior year, uh, and again his senior season. Averaged a double-double, 18 and 10. Like, he was an incredible, incredible big man for Rick Barnes. And a guy that he didn't have much of an NBA career to, to speak of. He played for a couple of years um, in the in the Nets system. Ended up, you know, playing for the, the D-League at that time and now the G-League affiliates. Having a bit of a career in the Latin American leagues, which, more power to you, man. If you could sit on a beach play basketball, and then drink something nice. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, Won an NBA championship with the Spurs in 2014. He was technically on that team. Uh, And now plays for the Vicaros de Bayamon. And I'm (laughs) glad to see Damian James doing something uh, in in some sort of professional basketball sense. That's a a solid pick. Um, I mean, again, really carried the post-Durant years. People forget just how good he was and in his day how unstoppable uh, he could be. Unfortunately, he was a tweener, and that doesn't necessarily equate to the NBA level. But... Because you've left this person on the board, I, I'm. A, can I take another big? Because I cannot believe he's here. I cannot believe he's here. There, there are a couple I was gonna, that I feel like you're feeling, but go ahead. Take whoever I you was, want, Kyle. I was going to leave him for you because this is so up your alley. So I will allow you a rejoinder off of my uh my my facts here but the fact that he's on the board again it's like it's like texas already having you know six five-star dbs when the number one dbs out there i'm just gonna sign him okay pj tucker baby how i almost picked pj before i picked lamarcus uh pj tucker was better than lamarcus in college people forget that pj tucker was like unreal kind of good yeah like he he was not NBA PJ Tucker is interesting because he's so good at his role. He's found a renaissance um, first with the Suns, just as a hard-nosed, tough, nasty, probably the defender that you want to see the least in the NBA. Just a monster, like bulldog, every type of you know adjective that you could you could imagine a cliche announcer saying. He's all of those, but for real. But in college. P.J. Tucker was legitimately that dude. First the Big 12 freshman of the year and then finished his career as the Big 12 uh, player of the year. He he truly, like, dude could score. I mean, he averaged double-doubles. He, he averaged, you know, multiple steals a game, basically. He was, you know, All-American. He was um, a guy who, even though he was undersized against 6'6", six six, uh, just swallowed up rebounds uh he had such an interesting post career uh after getting drafted by the raptors he he went kind of all over played the circuit you're like wow he'll never quite uh make it back he did some some time in um i believe that's israel um then uh at uh, shakhtar donetsk which you may know from their their soccer team but uh in the ukraine etc etc greece montenegro um he was i think also i don't know if this is the same did you say the parathas day uh, uh, maybe not, maybe a different, uh, maybe a Kyle different I showing our two years of college Spanish. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless made it back to the Suns in 2012 and it like is still in the NBA and contributing on an elite team. He's basically the second best player on the Rockets after James, well, the third after James Harden is number one and number two. So, um, PJ Tucker, just because he has the meanest shoe game in the NBA, because he's one of the coolest human beings alive, because he rides so hard for Texas football and specifically, uh, Vince Young and anyone else who was at UT at the time he was there. Like he legit, I think would take a bullet or put, a bullet if need to be in someone like again my number one dark alley guy you want on your team and my fourth big whatever pj tucker's my two guard uh (laughs) pj tucker is on the squad i mean it's i i can't argue with that like pj tucker 
I love that guy. Like, there's no two ways around it. Uh, PJ Tucker, you you called it. Like, you talk about guys you want in a bar fight. Like, PJ Tucker is picks one, two, and three of the guys that we're picking right now. I, and I'm in an interesting position because I do need a second big, or I'm going to get bodied on this. Um, <laughs> and there are two players that I really I'm I'm waffling between. One is a one is a head pick, and one is a heart pick. Um, and I have to go with the the head pick on this one. Uh, Tristan Thompson, Kardashians notwithstanding, uh, was an incredible one-and-done guy at Texas under Rick Barnes. 13-7, and seven, you know, that's pretty solid uh, for him. Was part of a, a team that went 28-8 and eight and finished uh, a season ranked in the top 10. He was a Wayman Tisdale Award finalist. Just, just an incredible one season at Texas. Uh, has played his entire career for the Cleveland Cavaliers for good or bad. Was a contributor on that 2016 championship team. Uh, so... Tristan Thompson is is a heck of a, a heck of a player. The other guy I was waffling between is the uh, pride of the uh, the rising zephyrs of Fukuyoa, uh, Dexter Pittman, my my <laughs> my favorite big man, uh, Big Dex Pittman was the other guy I was I was trying to uh, trying to waffle between, uh, and I went ahead and picked them both because why not? There are no rules to this thing. <laughs> you, you know, honestly, one of us had to get sexy Dexy. Um, <laughs> A man who, who you know, I watched his, his body transformation via uh, his trips to uh, Jester City Limits Cafeteria. Um, I oftentimes stood behind him in the burger line when he got, like, a second order of fries. I'm just like, Dex? Um, but a, a, a fantastic human. Also a dude who got me uh, onto the field one time for a, a UT football game. And I stood on the sidelines and talked to him for four quarters in one of my coolest uh, moments at UT. Um, so, so. A great pick, nonetheless. Are we are we to the point where we could still pick, or are we now um, are we now just just throwing our honorable mentions in? This is kind of an honorable mention spot because yeah, you got to mention the Dexter Pittman hundred pound weight loss. Like that's pretty incredible. Yes, uh, went yes. from three eighty eight to two eighty eight while on campus, which is which is incredible. And and again, let's, let's call him by his full title. That's NBA champion Dexter Pittman won with that Miami Heat team. UT has a knack for getting dudes on championship teams, which is why I'm going to say my next guy. And actually, I'm going to take two because you did. I'm going to go first with my favorite, Mighty Mouse reincarnate Corey Joseph, who literally just a spark plug played on that Spurs team. So again, close to my heart. But just one of the like biggest motors, biggest hearts, biggest like can't do. Everyone in his life told him he could never do it, but just literally thrived on on making people wrong i love Corey joseph irrationally um i I mean i don't think i have to say any more than that just just a dude who continues to produce um and the other this this is this is not in any way um an irrational or any any type of heart pick this is legitimately the other guard this is who i skipped to take pj tucker because value pick um but aj abrams um The other guy in the Capris, he's not actually as short as he looks club um, with with uh, Augustin. I mean, the guy, av- he shot 300 points, a se- 303 pointers a season before that was necessarily okay to do. He kind of uh, preempted a Steph Curry um, type dude, average 15 plus for both his sophomore or all three of his sophomore, junior and senior seasons. Again, was on those really elite teams with Augustine with uh James just kind of the 06 to 09 period kind of spanned across that was a leader a local kid from Round Rock um there is I don't know that you would get anyone if you said this in 2008 who would argue with you that AJ Abrams was the best shooter in college basketball at that time I try to think about what a Texas team today would look like if they had AJ Abrams on it like just again we just praised him Jace Fabrez has been good but take him out and put AJ Abrams in that corner who's getting those those balls kicked out to him and Texas probably wins five to six more games this season immediately. That's not even to say his ability to do the other things he did on the court, but just from being a a one tool kind of assassin, being a gunner like that, um, the best to ever do it at UT. There's, there's, that was the guy I was going to mention as my honorable mention, uh, the right hand sleeve himself, possibly the best edge up in Texas basketball history (laughs) on that man, just smooth. Yeah. And that's a guy that again, incredible to watch play when the ball was in his hands, something was going to happen. A guy that, uh, another guy that I want to throw in the honorable mentions, uh, is Avery Bradley. 
Avery nice. Bradley was was great for Texas when he was there. Uh, his one season, he was a uh, you know twelve point eleven point six points uh, was was a scorer, and that was a guy that something they needed at that point in in Texas basketball it was a guy that could could fill up the the score sheet. Uh, and then another guy that uh, a Houston guy from Jones High School, Daniel Gibson. Mm-hmm. I, I Daniel thought you were going to get to him. Daniel Gibson is a guy that you cannot, cannot leave off any uh, Rick Barnes team. He was also uh, played for the Cavaliers his entire career, Um, you know, was the Big 12 freshman of the year, Big 12 defensive team, McDonald's All-American. He was played with LeBron James is probably his claim to fame in the NBA and had a huge, huge play in in one of their playoff runs, kind of made himself famous, Uh, the man that they too often I think called Booby uh in his uh in his big playoff run with the Cavs. D Gibb. We all know every true Texas fan knows his name is D Gibb. Um yeah, he I I thought you might get to him. He was my next one up. Um he was the second best player on that LeBron team, which is no mo- no knock to to Gibson, but also um is a reason why LeBron left Cleveland. But um he, he was the second best player on a team that went to the NBA finals. Um there was a couple other glue guys when you when you talk about guys who kind of did everything who I really liked. One of them Justin Mason on those teams. I don't know that he makes an all time list, but he's a guy who I loved watching. He was so unbelievably good at whatever you needed him to do that night. He needs to guard the best player on the other team. He did it. You need him to spot up and shoot threes, he'd do it. You need him to ball handle because your your guards are in foul duty, he'll bring the ball up. You need him to all of a sudden start posting people up he's going to do that literally whatever you needed done on a basketball court Justin Mason was your guy and on those teams that were really good and you had Damian James and Augustine and you had the kind of marquee guys he even then flew under the radar but was probably um you know the glue guy the most valuable um guy for for coach Barnes on on those teams while he was there um this one feels a little iffy but I also think we have to mention Miles Turner. Um, he was uh, 2015. He's like on that verge. Um, we'll put him in there because I love Miles and he's killing it in the NBA. It's just a weird one for this conversation. I'm not going to make a Michael Dixon mistake like I did on the Mac Brown team, but we have to uh, we have to mention him. Um, anyone else? Anyone else we're leaving off? I have a couple guys at the bottom of my list that I'll just rattle off as honorable honorable mention if you don't have any. But I'll, I'll leave it to you if you have any any finals. The only tab I have left up in my draft is the pride of Istanbul, Turkey, Doge Balbe. I don't know why I have such a, a big space a piece of real estate in my heart for Doge Balbe, but I do. He was he was just one of those guys that like I never kind of knew what his job was on the team. Uh, but he did it well. Whatever his job was, he was just that guy. Like he's not gonna lose you a game. He's never gonna win you a game, but he's never gonna lose you a game either. Uh, and I loved watching um, his interactions with with the team and with the players were always really really fun. He's kind of one of those uh, culture guys who kind of helped set and create a good culture on the team. Is Flavor Flav a great rapper? No. Do you want him in your squad every time? Absolutely. Doge Balbe may have been the worst shooter to ever play under Rick Barnes. <laughs> the guy like he went up for a layup and you could just see his face like, oh, no, I don't have this in my bag. Like the guy was awful, uh, but was a fantastic uh, facilitator of the offense. Wonderful defender. Just couldn't shoot a lick, um, but an absolute heart and soul warrior. Love, love Doge. Um, you know, there's the old guys, the, 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 you know, on that D Gibb team, you had Buckman and Klotz, who I just had to give a shout out to because hilarious um i think the one the one like i'll say there's two guys left here maurice evans is a guy i don't know much about on that 01 team but he's a guy who pops up good numbers 15 16 points every year while he was on the 40 acres i think he graduated in 01 02 um brandon mouton also in the same kind of boat 2004 uh was the main kind of score on that team but the one guy that i watched a lot that i feel like deserves to be here and is mr like could play on this Texas team and slot right in because he is perfect epitome of hot and cold. Um, Jordan Hamilton, a guy who, you know, averaged 18 and seven is his senior season. Like legitimately was it was a big time NBA draft pick because of his slashing ability. Thought he might have a chance, just never developed that shot to go with it uh, in, in the defense that he would need to be that kind of wing defender. But uh, for a college game, had every piece of athleticism you could want and just was a really fun player to watch uh, while he was here kind of at the end of the aughts and beginning of the 2010s. 
Yeah, that that was a fun activity. I didn't realize how much I loved Rick Barnes players. Mm-hmm. Um and how how that era unfairly ended, I think is probably a good way to say that. Uh but because we had so much fun unpacking Rick Barnes, and now is the time of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So, I, I'm going to go sartorial. I know you Etsy'd it the other day, but I'm going to I'm going to keep it on the uh, on the hot looks HAWT, of course, uh, on the 40 acres. If you're anywhere near the co-op, you should probably slide yourself over and get some of the new Texas baseball gear. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, doesn't matter if you get. The, the whites, which really kind of are, you know, reminiscent of the football ice whites. Um, they have this beautiful chrome Nike logo on it that's just sumptuous. Um, they uh, they got rid of the, the black kind of, I don't know if you call it a shadow box or under, you know, uh, text, whatever, that, that, you know, is fine for its era. It's done. It's over. We're about the sleekness. Um, just some, some very attractive looking uniforms. The cleats, those Nike spikes are, oh, Wish I would have had some of those back in my day. I would have won even more softball intramural championships. I'd won. Um, but uh, just just clean as can be, I was all the way ready to make that my soul bang the drum. And then they came out, I believe, today um, with the with the orange equivalents because they wore the whites for the alumni game, which, by the way, were, were fantastic. But then they came out with them oranges and just mm, script Texas across the front. I didn't know how badly I needed it until I saw it. Uh, it is fantastic. I will absolutely own one of those. I might even get one with Clemens on it and no number to rep all three of my dudes. Um, but, you know, just just look good, play good has always been my philosophy in every sport I've ever done in that order, of course. Um, so, you know, it's... Uh, I can only imagine this means a national championship for the baseball team. It's it's the only fitting thing for Coach Pierce. As sold out on them staying traditional with football uniforms, I love them doing stuff like this with the baseball uniforms. And the fact that they've lost some of the drop shadow on the lettering is also a big, big win. Again, you and I are big believers in the look good, feel good, play good mentality. Granted, I never really played good, but still I looked good and felt good while doing it. Uh, So my bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz is a man who always looks good, always feels good, and definitely always played good. Vince Young was back on the football field this past week, back on a field that he straight dominated. So at Kyle Field and College Station, there was a flag football game that, again, one Vince Young participated in and showed that against people who have never played collegiate level athletics, he is still the best athlete on the field and just did some embarrassing maneuvers to them, reminiscent of that one time he played in College Station and did some embarrassing things to those teams. Uh, So if you are not on Instagram and you're not following Vince Young, do so. The man posts some really, really incredible stuff. Uh, Cool fan shots. He's got, he's kind of just, he's honestly just a dad on Instagram in a lot of ways. He posts, you know, his daily devotionals. He owns some restaurants that he posts. He's got a picture with a couple of the Wayans brothers. Like it's just kind of dad on Instagram and I'm totally a fan of it. So if you're not following Vince Young on Instagram, do so and check out his video of just balling out at Kyle field. His caption on that. I still own this field, baby. You dig exclamation, 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 question mark is absolute (laughs) mana to my soul. Um, just to show that the rivalry is forever over until we say it isn't. Um, we own that field. We own obviously the last play on that field, and even the current—that's the best play that happened on the A and M field this season. Uh, watch the video. He hits a stop juke on a dude. It's real nice. Um, God bless Vince Young for 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 trolling the Aggies and just livening my spirits. I love it. Uh, now we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Texas signee Darian Brown, who's in a serious situation um, in Georgia. This past week, he 
dealt with a health scare and he collapsed on campus, was transported to the hospital. Uh, there's no football angle to take here. There's no sports angle to take here. Um, our sincere thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. We will be linking uh, to the GoFundMe to take care of his medical uh, expenses. There's going to be a long road ahead of him uh, there, so look out for that. If you can donate, we would love for you to donate to that just to help a young man uh, get back on his feet. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where would the good folks find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can find me on twitter i'm at gh goodrich follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod if you've got thoughts about our all rick barnes team you can reply with the hashtag replies of texas we'd love to hear your thoughts feelings and opinions on what was kind of just a scatter shot of us saying names of players we love uh, you can shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook him. Hook him, Big Malcolm. Hook him, Big Malcolm.